Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to study Jeremiah, that's the prophet Yirmiyahu, chapter 49a. Because this is a very long chapter, I'm dividing it in half. Um, today, Yirmiyahu continues with his uh, prophecies towards the nations. And in the first half, he prophecies towards the two nations of Ammon and Edom. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Ammon. I'll give you a little introduction. The origin of Ammon is uh, similar to Ammon's closely related nation of Moab, or the Moabites. Um, they, one, they were both conceived when the two daughters of Lot, who had escaped from the destruction of Sodom, of Sodom, uh, seduced their father and both became pregnant. And one had Ammon and one had Moab. So they were half-brothers. And their children settled in the lands to the east of the Jordan River. Um, somewhere near the time of the exodus from Egypt, the Amori, the Amorites, under the king Sichon, the Sichon Amori in Hebrew, conquered some land from the Ammonites, and which was between the nation where Ammon was and to the south of that where Moab was. So Sichon kind of got in between them and conquered some very valuable land there. And when Moshe, when Moses were leading the people to the promised land, he needed a way to get through. And the Ammonites and Moabites refused them passage. So instead, Moshe fought a war against Sichon HaAmori, fought against the, a war against the Amorites, and conquered that area. So this neighborhood was once Ammonite land, conquered then by the Amorites, and then reconquered by the Israelites. When Moshe conquered it, therefore the Israelites took possession of the land, and, and Moshe gave that portion to the nation, to the uh, tribe of God. So the tribe of God, or God, they lived to the um, east of the Jordan River, um, sandwiched between the Ammonites and the Moabites. And later on, the, the Ammonites always laid claim to that area. They felt that the Israelites were kind of usurped it from them, even though the Israelites conquered it from the Amorites who had already conquered it from the Ammonites. So that, that fighting created a lot of hatred between Ammon and Israel. So much so that as that went on for years and years, the, the, the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes, united under their first king. The first king to unite the tribes into one kingdom was the king Saul in response to the threat of the Ammonites that were harassing the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan River. David also fought with them and laid siege to the city of Rabbah, as told in the book of Samuel and the book of Chronicles. We also know that there was a lot of intermarriage taking place in various times in history between Ammonite women and Judean and Israelite men. We know that King Solomon married a woman named Naama, who we know was an Ammonite woman, and she ended up being the mother of the king Rehoboam, Rehoboam who was the king who took over after Solomon. So Solomon married an Ammonite woman, gave birth to Rehoboam. So, interestingly, the ancestress or one of the uh, of Solomon was Ruth, who was a Moabite woman, 
And then he married Nama, who was an Ammonite woman, who then became another matriarch of the Davidic line of kings. So the Davidic line of kings had Ammonite blood, so to speak, in them, and also um, Moabite blood, so to speak, in them. And we also know about these Ammonites that it's, with all this fighting between them and the, and the people of Judah and the people of Israel, we know that they allied themselves with Moab against King Jehoshaphat, this is, as told in Chronicles. We know that they joined the Babylonians in the war against Judah, which is recorded in the Book of Kings. We know from the other prophets that they were criticized for many of their evil deeds. We know that Amos, the prophet, uh, criticizes them for being so cruel as to, as to when they attacked to slaughter women with their babies and pregnant women and, and knifing pregnant women, just awful, awful, cruel deeds. Um, uh, Tsefania in the, in the second chapter also criticizes the Ammonites and predicts their destruction just as Jeremiah does here. But Jeremiah would have had a particular reason to hate the Ammonites. And that is because, remember, it was the king of Ammon that conspired to assassinate Gedalia. Remember, just several chapters ago, we read of the story of how the last hope for a Jewish presence in in Judea was under the governor Gedalia, and the king of Ammon refused to allow them even that, and he met and he conspired with Ishmael, who ended up assassinating Gedalia, which ended up uh, being the end of the Jewish presence in Judea until it was reestablished under Cyrus uh, several generations later. Even later, when the Jews started coming back, we know from the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah, we know that the Ammonites were involved in, in, in trying to stop the Jews from reestablishing themselves in their land. So the Ammonite, uh, it, it, the, the criticism of the Ammonites and how they were constantly uh, a thorn in the side of the Jewish people is something that's well recorded, and we can understand what the, why... Um, Yirmiyahu goes ahead, Jeremiah goes ahead and and and, um, and criticizes them here. So let us start now with verse 1. Livnei Ammon, to the children of Ammon. Ko amar Adonai, so says God. Havonim ainli Yisrael. Are there no children to Israel? Im lo, does he have no inheritors? Madua yorash malkam et God. Why did their God milkam? Displace the the tribe of God, the Amobi Arav Yashav, and his nation now resides in his cities. So here we're talking about he's addressing what happened after the ten north, the, the tribes of God and and Reuben, Reuben, the tribes that were living to the east were exiled by Assyria. The Ammonites went back and took back what they thought were their territory, and what here he's saying is criticizing them. Why do you think you can take over this land? Why do you think you think you're going to take it back? You think the Jews are gone forever? You think they're not going to come back and take it back from you? The Israelites still exist and they will come back. L'chein, therefore, verse 2, Hinei yamim ba'im no'am, and Milcom, by the way, um, is the God of the... When it says Yorash Milcom, why did Milcom uh, dispossess God? It's... um. It's referring to the god of the Ammonites, who is the god who they called Milcom. Now, it could also be pronounced Malcom, which would then mean, why did their king do it? But most certainly it means Milcom, the, 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 um, the idol. 
Therefore, there are days coming, says God. That the city of Rabat, which also still exists today in modern Jordan, um, uh, which is the big capital city of Ammon, right? Um, I'm going to sound the sounds of war against it again. But I tell the Tel Shemama it will end up being a pile of, dis- of destruct- destroyed rubble. Uvnosel, the HT Sasna, and her and and her villages uh, will become the the surrounding villages around the, the capital will just be burnt to the ground of Yorashi Sorelet Yarshava Maradonai and Israel is going to eventually dispossess those who possessed him, so says God. Verse 3, now this is referring to the march of Nebuchadnezzar, the march of the Babylonian king, who comes and destroys Ammon, because since he's coming from the north, he comes to Ammon first, and then he goes and conquers Moab, which was to the south of that. So Jeremiah turns to Moab and says, uh, Cry out, Helili Cheshbon, cry out, Cheshbon, Cheshbon, which is the capital of Moab, Ai, because Ai, which is the city in Ammon, has been desolated, has been destroyed. Cry out because you're next. Tsa'akna benos Rabah, the daughters and the other towns that are around the city of Rabah, Chagorna, Sakim, put on sackcloth, Sephodna, um, um, lament, Vehistot, Vehit. Shotatna Bagadei wrote and rush about inside the, the, the fences ki Malcom because Malcom or Milcom the god or their king depending on how you translate this same word again is now about to go into exile the Ammonites are about to go into exile Kohanov Visarov Yachtov his priests and his officers together by mentioning priest it sounds more like Mil- it's referring to Milcom the god as opposed to the king why is it that you boast about your beautiful valleys? Zovim your, your valleys are going to flow away from you. You are the wayward daughter. Who trusts in her treasures. You think you're so great because you have such wonderful land and such beautiful land. Um, saying, who dares come to take me over. No one will ever dare take me over, but no, someone will. You will be destroyed. I, God, I'm going to bring upon you pachad, terror. No, Madonai, so says God. The Lord God of hosts. I'm going to bring fear from every direction. The enemy is going to attack from all sides at once. And I'm going to be drive everyone forward and away. Um, and there's going to be no one, no soldiers, no troops to gather everyone who wanders off. If someone wanders off on his own, he's going to be lost. However, it won't be a complete, total destruction as we saw several chapters ago regarding the Philistines. After this destruction and this exile, I will return the returnees of the children of Ammon. Those that are captive, I, they will eventually return. There will be something left of Ammon, no so says God. The commentaries do, or the Radak specifically does discuss, how does this mean that one day in the future Ammon will come back? All these nations are all mixed. Who knows who's Ammon, what's Ammon? Um, it's difficult to know exactly what he's predicting, but um, something will be left of Ammon, whatever that means.
Now he turns his attention to Edom and he speaks about it a little bit longer. Now Edom, if you remember when we studied the book of Ovadia together, the book of Ovadia is a one chapter long book where the prophet Ovadia addresses Edom. There's a lot of similarities and parallels between here and Ovadia. I may point out some. Uh, if you're really interested in this, I highly recommend that you take this the verse 7 through 22 of this chapter of Jeremiah and compare it to the book of Ovadia and you'll see numerous uh, parallel uh, phrases and words and ideas. But the bottom line is, is that we're destroying Edom. Now, the discussion of the prophet's attitude towards Edom and what Edom's sins were, I recommend that you listen to the podcast that I spoke about what's up with Edom. It was the one right preceding the book of Ovadia. I did an entire podcast on this, so I'm not going to repeat it. However, I will repeat the two main issues that we find, and that I talked about in that podcast with Edom, are, number one, the fact that Edom had a philosophical problem with accepting God. Edom is always, whenever Edom is criticized, they're criticized partly because they refuse to accept God. Specifically, they, their philosophers felt that it can't be. If God is just, if God is kind, how could there be evil in this world? We discussed this in Isaiah, and this was a argument between the wise men of Edom and the wise men of Israel for generations. Um, I pointed out several places in that podcast and other places in Isaiah, I mentioned it as well. I just want to point that out, and we're going to see some hints to that here too. The other issue with Edom is that Edom was the most closely related. They're, these are the descendants of Esau. These are even more closely related to the Israelites than Ammon and Moab to the north. They should have been acting like brothers. They should have been their best friends and they should have always come to their defense. But instead, in every single war, Edom always switched sides. Edom always fought against the Israelites and always gloated in the downfall of Israel whenever the, the opportunity arose. So the, the other criticism of Edom that we find throughout the prophets is is that they should have been Israel's biggest supporters, but instead they were the opposite. And we're going to see Jeremiah criticizing this too. So let's start reading verse 7. Le Edom, to Edom, also says the Lord God, Is there no longer any wisdom in Taman? Right away, Jeremiah takes aim at the, at the, the wise men, the wise men that thought that they were so smart, that refused to accept God, right? Because they thought that they were so smart and they were so knew better. Uh, has good counsel been lost from the children? In other words, the wise men are gone. The, the people, the people that thought they were so smart, their chachma, their entire philosophy, has become uh, spoiled and rotten. Um, right away, takes aim at the fact that Edom was was constantly criticizing Israel because they couldn't accept the idea of monotheism. So where are your wise men now? Nasu, they have run away. Or, I'm sorry, Nusu. This means run away. It's a command. Hafnu ha'amiku lashaves. Flee, clear out. Um, uh, uh, get, dwell, live in the deep places. Get, you know, get down into the caves. Yoshvei the Don. Those of you that live in the Don. Ki aid esav hevesi alav eight bekaratev, because I have now bringing down upon you the fate of esav, the doom of es of esav, the brother of Yaakov, who is going to be destroyed. His descendants, at least now, hevesi alav eight bekaratev, the time of his punishment, I am bringing upon him. 
in Botsrim Ba'ulach, if people, if grape, if someone was coming upon you, uh, and we see uh, parallel to this in Obadja, if someone was coming upon you at, to steal your grapes, they wouldn't do, clean you out completely. They would sneak in, grab what they can and run, but they'd still leave you with something. If, if uh, thieves in the night, don't they only take what they can grab? In other words, they come, they fill up their pockets and their bags, and then they run, but there's still always something left. However, I was the one who has revealed, exposed him. I have revealed his secret places, Gileti at Nistarov, Vinechbalo Yuchal, so that he cannot any longer hide. Shudad Zarov Einenu. His seed, his descendants have been ravaged, his brothers, his neighbors, he is gone. Azva Yisomecha, Aniachaya, leave your orphans to me, I will keep them alive. So God is making again a promise that he's not going to completely destroy Adom, there will be something left. But as the fathers, the warriors are gone, God tells them, I'll take care of your children, and your widows are going to have to rely upon me because you no longer are providing them anything. Ki, this is verse 12, because so says God, and I'm going to follow the Radak here. Um, those enemies that attacked Israel that were their natural enemies, in other words, they were aligned with the enemies, they were, uh, they were not so guilty in the attack. They were the natural allies of either the Babylonians or the Assyrians, depending on which period of time in history he's talking about, which is unclear. However, the Edomites, they logically should have been the, the allies of Israel and Judah. They should not have been the enemies. So God is saying as follows, um, even those who are not sentenced to drink the cup of wrath, I am forcing them to drink. In other words, I'm punishing, I'm going to punish all the nations that attacked Israel, including Babylon itself, which we'll read about in the next chapter, 450, right? But you, and you think you're going to get away without getting punished? No, you will also drink the cup of punishment. Because you, of all people, are even more guilty for the attacks that you put upon Israel. You are even more guilty because you should have been closer. You should have been their natural ally, not their natural enemy. For I myself have sworn, says God, that Batra, which is the capital city of Edom, and we've seen this in Isaiah 2, the the destruction of Batra, I myself have sworn that it will be a desolation, a disgrace, a wasteland, and a curse, and all of her towns shall be ruins forever. Verse 14 now. I have heard something, I have heard news from God. And there is a messenger being sent out among the nations. Assemble and come upon her and rise up for battle. This is the news that's going out there. Because you who are so arrogant, you always thought you knew better. You thought you understood better. You thought you had everything. You thought you were safe. You thought you were arrogant, but now you are becoming the smallest of the nations, bazoi be'adam, scorned by humanity. Your tiflatzticha, your dreadfulness, and how and how 
horrible you are, your haughty heart has deceived you and convinced you into thinking that you are safe. You dwell in the on the mountains, in the cliffs, thinking you think you're holding on to the height of the hill. So this could mean actually the living among the mountains, thinking that you're safe. It also could mean figuratively living in your haughty, high notions of how great you are. Should you think you're going to raise your even even should you should you raise your your uh, nest as high as an eagle's nest? God says, "I will take you down from there. I can reach you, and I will take you down." Edom will be destroyed. In other words, God is saying that your height, your your arrogance, I can pull down no matter how high or great you think you are. Kolovera, Edom will be destroyed. Everyone that passes by Edom, Yishom, Yishrog, I'll call Ma'ama, I'll call Makoseha. They will be astonished and shriek over how terrible the wounds of Edom are. Um, I'm up to verse 18. Just as in the overturning of Sodom and Gomorrah, and their neighboring cities, he says, God, there will be no one living there. No human being will be able to live in that land. It will be so desolate and destroyed. Behold, and this image is uh, Jeremiah is about to say is of a lion uh, who, who, who Praise like a stealth predator. It hides among the grass. It hides among the in the in the trees. It hides behind the bush in such a way that you have no idea that it's there. And things are perfectly peaceful and fine and wonderful and great and blissful. And all of a sudden, the lion leaps out, and and destruction comes. Look like a lion coming up from a thicket on the Jordan River. Al Neve son against a secure pasture, the beautiful pasture land, and everything is nice and grass and flowers. But the same way a lion will pounce suddenly from the thicket, right? The same way I will suddenly jump upon Edom, who thinks he's all so high and mighty and everything so great, I can come immediately in a second and take him down. Ki aleha. In a moment, in just a moment, I will drive Edom away from her land. Omi bachor ela efkod, and um, I will appoint over Edom whomever I choose. Kimi chamoni umi oideni. Who is like me and who can summon me up? Umi zeroe asher yamod lefanoi. Who is the shepherd who can stand up against me? No one can stop me. The sheep wandering in the pasture that the lion comes to get. The, the, the image is the shepherd is there to protect, but no one can protect you against God Himself. Therefore, and here's again going back to the ideas, the philosophy, um, the, 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 the arrogant wisdom in quotes of the Edomites. Listen to the counsel that God has said. I show you Atzel Adom that He had counseled regarding Edom. And the thoughts that he has thought, the plans that he has made about the people that live in Teman, which was in Edom's territory. Surely the weakest of sheep 
listen, this is what God is saying. Listen to God's counsel. Um, because if you don't, surely the weakest of the sheep shall drag him away. And in this case, some many of the commentaries assume that that means that the Israelites themselves, who are not one of the big, strong, powerful nations, are going to come and drag them away. In lo yasim aleim and and certainly, surely he will render their pastures as a desolate place. Mikol niflam from the sound of the destruction of Edom, the entire land will shake and quake. The sound of which can be heard even away at the Yamsuf, the Sea of Reeds. Whether that means the actual Red Sea or not is unclear, but it, it, the idea is that the sound will be heard very far away. Look, he will fly up and soar like an eagle. This could be just an image of arrogance again. Or it can refer to um, um, uh, the enemy that's coming to destroy him. Actually, it's probably a better translation. Like an eagle, he will go up and and, and destroy Um I'm sorry, and spread his wings. And the hearts of the strong men of the armies of Edom on that day will be so frightened and so afraid because they'll see this great eagle hovering about to attack. They'll be so afraid, like the fear of a woman in labor, um, uh, uh, an image of, of just absolute terror and fright and pain. So this is the prophecy of Jeremiah towards Ammon and Edom. Um, this ends the first half of the chapter. We will then do in Jeremiah 49b. Looking forward to studying that together with you as well. Um, we are going to uh, listen to his prophecy about two more nations, Kedar and Elam. Thank you so much for participating.